ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. My husband, Simeon, is with me on today's episode of the podcast. Thanks for joining me, babe. Hello. Um, we're going to talk about a delicate subject today. Um, one that has been a journey in our own hearts and lives. Um, one that has an element of sorrow and regret in our life. Um, but out of what God has showed us, out of our own experience with this issue, um, we just believe what God has showed us from his word, and we are committed to share that truth with others, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it is kind of awkward, even if, honestly, it makes me feel like I'm inserting I was going to say my opinion. This is not this is not my opinion because we have come to the stance that we take on this from the truths of God, God's word. But if I feel like I am inserting myself maybe in an intimate place, um, we're going to do it because we feel led of the Holy Spirit to talk on this issue, which is um, the birth control pill. So to start all of this out, um, I, you know, we were kind of struggling about sharing this. We just want to share it with the right spirit, um, with, with encouragement, but also just opening our eyes to truth, um, maybe revealing some of the ways that Satan has blinded us as believers to seeing things as they are. Anyway, we, we were kind of have been struggling through this episode, um, just really asking the Holy Spirit for guidance on what exactly he would have us to say. Um, and I came across just this little challenge. Um, actually, it was on Instagram. I came across this in an account that I follow. But they wrote, you know the truth and it has set you free. But with freedom comes responsibility. With so much confusion and deception around us right now, there is no time to waver. Are you proclaiming the truth of God's word without fear? Or are the lies of the enemy louder? God could not have brought me across that at a better time. I mean, everything spoke to exactly what I've been struggling with in this episode. We know the truth. And it has made us free. It has set us free um, in our in our minds, in our hearts, and really a bondage that we were to um, to lies. Um, but with freedom comes responsibility. There is so much confusion and deception around us in this world. We're going to delve into some of the confusion, some of the lies and deception that surrounds birth control pill. Um, and, and there is no time to waver. We are called to stand for truth, to boldly proclaim his truth. And it asks, are you proclaiming the truth of God's word without fear? And that question just, man, smote my heart because I have been fearful of sharing this episode. Or are the lies of the enemy louder? I don't want the lies of the enemy to be louder in this case in my heart. I know that the Holy Spirit has called us to share this Though it's hard, um, though it's it's a delicate topic, the Holy Spirit has called us to share, um, and, and we're going to follow. We're going to obey. So I hope that um, I hope this is received well. I hope that um, you see our hearts just wanting to share truth, to encourage, um, maybe to open some eyes to what God's word says on a topic that I feel like has been so glazed over, no questions asked, um, so accepted by our culture that we have really turned a blind eye to something that I believe is is robbing God of lives that he has created for a purpose. I, I don't know why I feel like I, I'm led to say this, but somebody out there is listening and they're afraid to continue listening and you're considering turning this off, I would encourage you not to do that. Yeah, please don't. You should never be afraid of the truth. Hear what we have to say and and divide that by the scripture yourself. I don't know why um, I felt late, led to say that, but, but somebody out there needs to hear this and you need to keep this running. So listen and have your Bible open and be ready to hear 
and discern by the scripture what is truth, okay? And one of the interesting things that God has been revealing to me as I've had this podcast, I don't I don't know my listeners, but my listeners get to know me in kind of an intimate way that that is interesting as a podcaster. You hear so much of my life, the details of my life, but I don't really know you. So I don't know as listener, I don't know where you fall on the spectrum. Maybe you've never taken birth control, uh, the birth control pill before. Maybe you're not even married and that really, you know, not even on your radar yet. Um, you know, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, I've taken it for years. What are you going to say? Or, you know, maybe you're even like birth control. I've had an abortion. There could be there could be all ends of the spectrum of listeners to this. But but like Simeon said, please hear us out. Don't take our word for it. We are going to share scripture. Look these scriptures up yourself. Um, compare scripture with scripture. Ask God to open your eyes to his truth um, and, and seek it out. And, and this, you know, we, we kind of keep skirting around. We're, we're going to get into the meat here. But this episode is talking about the birth control pill. Our journey with that, what God has come to show us about that, lies that we believed, um, changes that we had to make. But I say that to say, if you are married, this is something that if God stirs in your heart, you, you need to talk to your husband you need to talk to him about this. You know, study these scriptures together. Um, for those of you that aren't married, um, you know, I, I have teenage listeners. Um, you know, I, I hope you have godly counsel in in your mom or in an older lady in your life that you might be able to to talk to about this, or or even on your own to nail down in your heart what you believe about this issue. Um, you know, before you're before you're faced with marriage and intimacy and all of that. But um, we do, we just want to talk about uh, the birth control pill. Before we get there, we kind of want to back it up and start with just talking about when we believe life begins. And again, this is not our opinion. This is not what Simeon and Brittany think. This is not even based on medicine or science straight from scripture. When does life begin? At what moment does life start? And I feel like there there are several scriptures that we can pull from this, but we believe from the scripture that life begins at the moment of conception. So the moment that the sperm and the egg join, a life has begun. That moment is when God says, boom, I give life. It is starting. Um, Jeremiah 1, 5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Before he was even formed, God had a plan. And I think about this in the forming, you know, um, we've been talking a lot with our oldest about kind of the process of a baby growing in the womb. And, you know, at first it doesn't even look like a baby. You know, she had a hard time understanding how a baby could be a baby, but not have a head and arms and legs. But God's saying, even before I formed all of your parts to look like a baby, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you and called you. I had a purpose for your life. Um, then we look at Psalms 139 is a classic passage on, on this that we use for life beginning at conception. Um, David says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Um, you know, I think about that again, that idea of before you were even formed, yet being unperfect. You know, before you had all the parts that you needed to function independently of your mother, before you looked like a baby, when you were unperfect, his eyes saw you. I even go back to in verse 15 when he says, when I was made in secret, you know, a secret is something that people do not know. There is even a window of time in everybody's life where the only the only one that knows about this life is God. And, you know, and, and I'm thinking about my babies, you know, they're 
there was a brief window of time that Simeon and I had no idea what was going on inside of me, that life had begun inside of me, and, and it was a secret to us. We didn't even know that. So I feel like from these scriptures, we can see that in the earliest moment, even all the way back to that point of conception, that that is when life begins. That is the moment that God gives life. And, and it's not a developing process of, okay, well, at this point I give life. And then, you know, as you're born, then it's this next level. Then as you grow, I start developing this purpose for you. No, even back to when you were made in secret before mom and dad even knew there was life within the mama, God had a plan and a purpose and a specific design for each life. And and I just, I think that is really just such a mind-blowing concept. But in talking about that, in understanding from scripture, I, I hope that's, that's step one here, is nailing down in our hearts that life begins at conception. If that is not something that you are 100% convinced of, um, I'd encourage you study it. I mean, either way, study it out, but come to a biblical conviction on, on this truth, um, because it is upon this truth that really the whole rest of the episode hinges. I want to focus in a little bit on that word perfect. Um, the, the psalmist writes there, we tend to use that word perfect as in flawless. Um, in the scriptures, the word perfect has an idea of completeness um, or whole. And he's and the psalmist is writing there that you, you were forming me, you knew me before I was even whole or, or completed. Um, let me ask you a, a question, listener. When is a person completed? Because that's that's what he's talking about, right? Is a four-year-old completed yet? Have they fully grown yet? No. What about a 14-year-old or a 22-year-old? We don't consider a person a full-grown adult in society until they're 18, but it, most 18-year-olds aren't even done growing yet. They say most men don't stop growing until they're about 23 or 22, so when is a person whole or completed? When are they perfect? They, they may be what scientists like to call a clump of cells, or they might be a larger clump of cells that happens to be 12 years old, but they're not complete yet. Well, and really, I mean, if we're going to if we're going to take that definition, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking I'm almost I mean, 29 now and I'm not complete. You know, God is still working and developing and growing. So I think really, I mean, from conception until last breath, we are I mean, I think of that, that little ch- uh, children's song. He's still working on me. I mean, it is it is a journey of us growing with the purpose of fulfilling God's purpose, his intent, his design for our life. Um, so that was a great thought to bring out. But I, you know, that that is kind of the foundation that we're trying to lay here is just that we believe from scripture that life begins at the moment of conception, not at a certain point in, you know, I, I guess they would say fetal development. I don't even like that word, not in development of the baby. We don't believe that life begins once they are out of the womb. You know, I've, I've heard some people have the argument, well, okay, life begins when they're out of the womb because that's when they're independent of mom. They are outside of mom's body. They are no longer connected to mom's body. So now they are, they are their own person. I know that argument is used with the abortion issue of, well, if they're in my body, it's my body, it's my choice. But Look at that little newborn. Look at my two-year-old, my four-year-old. Are they independent of mom? Absolutely not. If I stepped off the scene, they are not mature enough. They are not developed enough. They are not complete enough to take care of themselves. So I feel like that just completely throws that argument out the window. But, but you know, so back it up. When does life begin? At what point is it a life? The very moment of conception, that is when we begin, we believe that life begins. So transitioning um, kind of into the the meat of our topic, um, God has had Simeon and I on a journey of just what we believe regarding the birth control pill. And, and I want to clarify here, I am not, I am trying to specify the pill because I'm not talking about all forms of contraception. I'm just going to throw it out here. 
then we're going to explain what we what we mean, how we've came to this. So please keep listening, like Simeon said. Um, but just just to lay groundwork, know where we're going. We have come to the belief that the birth control pill is an abortive pill. Um, I, I say that now. I throw that out now to make a distinction between other forms of birth control. Um, other forms of birth control are not abortive. Um, they keep that sperm and egg from ever having a chance to unite. If that is ever kept from happening, then no conception happens. Therefore, it is not an abortive measure. Now, this episode, we're not here to tell you use contraception, don't use contraception. That that's a that's an issue you you can deal with on your own with your husband. Um, I would challenge you here just because that has been brought up. Um, I think in so many areas of life, so many areas, but especially when it comes to fertility, the birth, so many things surrounding this, we have taken things into our hands that were never meant to be there um, for convenience sake, um, you know, just just selfishness, well, whatever it is, we have we have stepped into boundaries that belong to the Lord. Um, so th- this is an issue to pray through and, and you know I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to tell you where we have landed on this one because I, I don't want our I, I don't want our life to influence your decision that is something you come to with your husband and God. Um, but I, I do just want to throw in there. I, I think it's something to talk about. If you have never talked through that with your spouse, you know, how do you feel about um, controlling for lack of a better word, your family, what place does God hold in what your family dynamics look like? And I mean, ultimately, in every other aspect of our lives, most other aspect of our lives, hopefully all, you know, we believe that God is sovereign and that he knows and that he has a plan and that his way is perfect. Um, But then I feel like when it comes to the number of children that we have, we say, oh, no, that's an intimate issue. That's my choice. This just I don't know. I, I just kind of throw it in here that I I just challenge all of us um, that as husband and wife together, I think that's an issue that we need to pray through together and ask God, what is your plan for my family and how can I best use my body, our bodies together as one to bring you glory and to fulfill the purpose that you have not only for us as a married couple, but for us as we as we have children, as we try to raise them to serve you, um, just just putting that back in the hands of God. And, you know, you may be listening to this and, and hearing me give the challenge of letting God have the reins in how many children you have in, in at least talking through and questioning contraception. Or you might hear me say, we believe the birth control pill is abortive. And, and you might think, okay, well, she's just saying that I'm going to have to go buy a school bus because I'm going to fill it with all 30 of my kids. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if you trust God in this area of your life, if you trust God with your intimacy and your fertility and the dynamics that he has for your family, I'm not saying that all of us are going to have a whole slew of kids. You know, I know families who you know, had one, two, three kids, fine, no problems with pregnancy, got pregnant easily, and then they wanted a fourth, and they tried and tried and tried for years, and nothing was wrong. Everything was fine. There, There's no logical medical reason why they couldn't have another one. Um, it, it just, they didn't. Um, and, and then I've known some families that 13, 14, 15 years later, God gives them that next baby. And I, I just, I say that, I give those examples to say, don't listen to this and panic and think, oh no, you know, we think two's the perfect number. And now you're saying that I have to trust God in this area and have a boatload of kids. Um, that That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying maybe you think two's the perfect number and maybe God says no, three is. And that may scare you, but wait till you have that third baby and and, and everything changes. Just just telling you to trust God. But, you know, even all the way back to Bible times, early in Israel's history, we see this desire 
to control this area of life, um, to control fertility. You know, we see in in the in worship of Baal how these children were being offered to Baal. And today, our gods, our idols don't look like Baal and, and Ashtaroth and all of these gods that they had way back when, but our gods might be gods of convenience, gods of selfishness, gods of, I want control. I want that feeling of this is my perfect plan. This is how I see things happening. And Nothing's going to persuade me from that. God, you have no space. You have no place in my intimacy, in my family planning. Let's delve in and, and, and draw that line a bit deeper. Baal in scripture, that, that God has gone by many names, um, especially in ancient worship. But the one that they use in scripture a lot is the name Baal. That God is the God of fertility and the God of rain. Okay, and that word fertility is talking about fertile ground, not fertile wombs. Okay, so he wasn't the God of of giving children, but rather the God of taking them. And what they would do is they would offer their children, and this is almost, it's hard to even really even talk about because it's, it's horrible, but they would, there was an altar that they would make to Baal, which would basically be a statue of Baal with his hands out. And in his hands would be a fire, and they would put the baby in that fire and sacrifice their baby to a god so that they could have fertile ground to grow crops in. And we would shake our heads and think that is the most ridiculous so thing. So barbaric. It's the most barbaric thing that you can imagine someone doing, and how selfish to take the life of that baby so that you could grow crops. But hang on for a second. These people's entire livelihood, their way of life, existed around being able to farm. To have fertile ground, to have rain, was crucial. So they would sacrifice a child so that they could have rain and fertility and, and so that they could have wealth, so that they could have prosperity, so that they could have convenience. Now... Draw that line to how we treat children today. The number one reason why people have an abortion, and you can look at survey after survey after survey and study after study on this, is that they were not ready or that they were inconvenienced by that child. That's the number one reason. The number two reason, I saw this just the other day, the number two reason why people do not have a child is that they were they felt that they were not financially able to support that child now draw the parallel one they were not ready or they were inconvenienced by that child these people offering their babies to bail were not were worried about their ability to provide for said child but they were also worried about their convenience. They were worried about their wealth being affected by the dirt not being fertile, by the rain not coming. The same top two reasons that these people would use to offer a baby to bail are the same two reasons that people use now for actually having a, having a baby murdered in their belly to have an abortion. It's all tied together. You know what is amazing? People don't change. We're still the same sinful people that we've always been. And this practice of sacrificing a baby to Baal really is no worse than what we're doing to our own children. And I'm saying that I want to be as sensitive as I can because there may be someone who's listening to this who, who has had an abortion, okay? I want you to know we're going to get into some scripture in a little bit that that no, there's going to be some comforting things that I want to share with you in a little bit, but I do have to emphasize that there is a parallel here to what we're doing to children now that ties directly to what they did to children then. And we have a tendency to think that one is worse than the other and it's not. So I want to share why we're even speaking to this topic. Um, I'm just personal journey. Okay. So Simeon and I got married summer of 2014. We're almost about to celebrate our 
anniversary. Um, seven years together. But anyway, so before we got married, um, really soon before we got married, like I think about a month before we got married, you know, we kind of had this discussion. What are we going to do about contraception? I, I, I had actually been on the birth control pill before um, in my late teen years, um, just for some hormonal issues that I had going on. Um, I, I had been on it before. So when it came time for marriage, it just was kind of the natural thing. Like, well, I mean, everybody takes the birth control pill. I've, I've kind of been on it in the past for hormonal issues, you know, no, no side effects. I, I seemed okay. So, you know, I guess that's what we'll do. Um, I don't even remember how, but somehow we heard, came across the information, something that there might be a small chance that the birth control pill allowed for conception, but then stopped the pregnancy at a later point. Um, we didn't really have a lot of information regarding that. I, I really don't remember. We didn't know much. Um, honestly, we, we really didn't know much at all. I, I, I hope that when our children are at that point of life that they, that we will have helped them come to a better understanding of their bodies, um, how God has created our bodies. And anyway, that, that kind of is a whole nother topic, but we didn't understand a lot. Um, I'm not really sure why we didn't go to our parents. Personally, I never felt comfortable talking to my parents about intimate things. Um, it was just very, very awkward um, between my me and my mom. Definitely just, I wasn't super close to my dad at this time. Um, I'm not really sure if we just didn't go to his parents because it was more of an issue on like, do you know, what do I take? Anyway, all that to say, it led us to my family doctor which was a Christian man, wonderful, very friendly. Um, so we just set up an appointment with him uh, just weeks before we got married um, and just just kind of had a heart-to-heart -heart with him, you know, explained, hey, we're getting married. Um, you know, we're thinking through contraception. You know, if I get the birth control pill, I need a prescription. But we have heard that there is a very small chance, chance nonetheless, that the pill could allow for conception to stop the pregnancy at some later point. He just kind of brushed it off, um, you know, oh no, there's no chance, you're good, there's no way you could, you know, it, it wouldn't allow for a pregnancy. Um, you're safe taking the birth control pill. I don't know what exactly all of his understanding was behind that. Maybe maybe his definition of when life began was at a different point. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but on that advice, I got on the pill. Um, I was on the pill for about a year and a half. And then I don't even know what the Lord used to revisit this thought in our minds and in our hearts, but, but something, and maybe it was our pastor actually wrote this. He has a solid answer series, little booklets, um, just addressing different issues that we face. And one is talking about abortion and life. And maybe it was that booklet. And because I know that's been influential. So I, I'm not sure what was the catalyst to bring this back to our hearts. Um, but God brought this back to us and we started doing more research and, and, and I don't know if we just failed to do the research the first time. Um, I, I was brand new. Just before I got married, I got a smartphone. I didn't even think that I needed it. I couldn't understand why anybody would need a phone to do any more than call and text. Um, so I don't know if the internet and Google was just kind of like not on our radar at that time. Um, but we at this point, we did do more research. And what we found kind of shattered what we had been told. Um, so I'm, I'm going to share, this is this is not my information. Um, this is what Simeon and I found as we researched this. But what I'm about to share now actually comes straight from facts that I have gleaned, actually from another podcast. Um, but a labor and delivery nurse shared these facts about the birth control pill. And, and you can find these. It's not really hard to find it now. Um, this information is out there. I think one of the main points of confusion before you get into that is that not everybody terms things the same way or they yeah. don't have the same understanding of certain terms. So if you went to your doctor and you said, I heard that this, this pill could cause an abortion, 
Well, that word abortion means different things to different people. That doctor would say, well, an abortion doesn't occur until this baby has hit the fetus stage, which is what most of them would say. Well, if you believe what we believe about conception being the point of life, then anything that terminates a life post-conception is an abortion, right? So you have to make sure that you're wording things in a way to where you're saying something to the effect of, hey, this is what I believe to your doctor. I believe that life begins at conception. Can this pill stop a baby from being formed post-conception? And the answer is yes. Okay, so the birth control pill, that form of contraception works in three different ways. First way, it inhibits ovulation. So it actually keeps the egg from even dropping for the sperm to unite with it. So that is step one. Um, I, I think that is the most typical role that it fills. Um, step two is if the egg actually does get released, then it also takes the next step to, it, it actually like changes um, like the cervical mucus, making it thicker, making the sperm harder to to reach it, harder to travel through that um, to reach the egg. Um, but step three is preventing implantation. So again, here's some medical terminology, but at this point, the sperm, though it, it was supposed to inhibit the egg from dropping, it was supposed to inhibit the sperm from being able to get to the egg. It has happened, which if the two have joined, as we have already outlined, conception has happened, a life has been formed. The third thing that the birth control pill does is it makes the lining of the uterus a harsh environment for that conceived joining of those two cells to implant into the uterus. So if we believe everything that we've set up to this point, that life has happened in conception and the, now the pill has made that uterine lining a harsh environment for implantation. If we believe all of that, then that means that is the grounds that we say that the birth control pill is abortive, that a life has happened, but it is not allowed to implant. Therefore, the pregnancy cannot continue. And this is something that happens and you wouldn't even know. You'd have no idea that that moment of conception happened because the pregnancy would not continue because there was no implantation allowed. So it would just pass as anything else would during monthly cycles. Um, so when we came to understand how birth control works, and you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to say it is a small, very small chance that the birth control pill would get all the way to the step of preventing implantation. You know, it, it has other jobs that are the main things that it should fulfill, but there is a chance. And, you know, Simeon and I were talking before we recorded this how there has been story after story of I was on the birth control pill and I got pregnant and you had a normal pregnancy and here's a baby, though you were on the birth control pill. I actually was looking up some statistics and it said that 5% of people that are on the birth control pill get pregnant every year and and have babies, um, which, you know, you think, oh, 5% isn't a lot. But um, another statistic said that 4.6 million U.S. women aged 15 to 49 in 2018 were sexually active and not seeking to become pregnant, which means if they're not seeking to become pregnant, they're using some form of contraception. Now, like I said earlier, not all forms of contraception are abortive. Um, there are lots of others, and I'm not even going to get into all of that, um, but there are others that you can use. But just for sake of numbers to let me give you a glimpse of, though it might be a small chance, what we're talking about. So if 4.6 million are sexually active and do not want to become pregnant, we would assume they're using some form of contraception or even natural family planning, but something. So if I take 5% of 4.6 million, so 5% of those who do not want to become pregnant, doing something to keep themselves from becoming pregnant, but 5% still become pregnant, that would be 2,300,000 women 
who were sexually active did not want to become pregnant, but did become pregnant. Now, I know that that number is way over-exaggerated because, again, not all of those were pregnancies that happened while on the birth control pill. Right. But let's be honest, the vast majority of people who are sexually active that don't want to become pregnant are on the pill. The, the vast majority. There's a lot of people who probably use condoms or other means of contraception, or maybe they do more than one, but the vast majority of those women are on the pill. It's the most popular contraceptive in the world. Yeah, and, and I hate now, I I'm I have lost my statistic of how many women in the U.S. are on the birth control pill every year, but it was hot, like millions of women take the birth control pill. So anyway, I'm trying to give you perspective here. So even 5%, even if that's like 2 million, okay? I mean, even if we chop that in half just for sake of, okay, there's other, you know, alternatives to the birth control pill. Just say 1 million women that were on the birth control pill got pregnant still. That's a huge number. Huge number. Um, Even if it was just one, that is a big number because it is a life. But, but my point here in giving all the statistics, all the numbers are, if there are that many women who are on the birth control pill and it actually makes it to a full, complete pregnancy, how many of those, how many women made it all the way to a fertilized, conceived egg and sperm that was not allowed to implant in the uterus, which means... A life was conceived, but was thwarted and was ended. You have to remember there's three steps. Step one, egg drop is prevented. That can fail. And in at least 5%, it did fail. Step two, the the mucus is thickened, which prevents the sperm from reaching the egg. In at least 5%, that failed as well. Step three, the egg is prevented from attaching itself the way it's supposed to, and therefore the pregnancy is thwarted. And at, la- and at least 5%, that failed as well. How many of those, that third step, actually didn't fail? Because that's the question, is that if that third step doesn't fail, that's an aborted baby. Yeah, and and God brought us that realization, and honestly, it broke us. Because we had to be confronted with the thought, do we have a baby in heaven? And that was a hard thought to deal with. And, you know, we won't know. We won't know until we get there. And maybe we do. And and I, I either way, I regret that we made that choice. And I could brush it off like, oh, well, we were misguided or whatever. But you know what? We made a wrong choice, no matter what the premise of it was, no matter what our hearts were, we made the wrong choice, but we did not know, but now we did, and we had a choice to make. What was our choice going to be from here on out? And we had to face the choice that we believe, if, if we believe life begins at conception, and we believe that anything that would end that life is a sin, because... The control of life is not in our hands. God is the giver and taker of life. That it was a sin for us to continue to be on the birth control pill. And that's something that we had to come to for ourselves. And you know, you may be like, how dare she? How dare she talk to this? How dare she get her nose in my business in this intimate area of my life? But you know what? Back to the beginning, I am 100% convinced that this is truth. And not only am I convinced from scripture, I'm convinced from my own failings and my own realization of where God has brought me in this and my own regret and sorrow in this. And if this episode, if it saves one life, if it chooses somebody who has never thought about this before to think about it, to talk to their husbands, to pray, and to come to a biblical conviction in this area and it saves a life it was all worth it it was worth it was worth our turmoil it was worth our our struggle through sharing this it was worth the, the awkwardness and and maybe the uncomfortableness as you listen it was worth it because every life has a purpose and every life that god gives is is his is his to control to give to take when he wills 
And we're going to transition as we, as we try to just wrap this up a little bit. So you're sitting here and, and, you know, like I said, broad spectrum, I don't know where you fall on this issue. Maybe you've had an abortion. Um, maybe you've had multiple abortions. Maybe you've been on the pill and God's brought you to this and you're looking back as we are with, with regret and, but, but God has, has washed and forgiven and has changed and, and we have followed his guidance. Or maybe you're sitting here listening on the pill and thinking, I have never thought about this before. I've never heard this before. Where, wherever you fall, is there hope? Is there grace? What is the end of the story? I would encourage anyone who's, who's listening to this, who is in that place to read through the book of James. The book of James makes a, a distinct comparison between works and faith. Okay. And so in the beginning of the book of James in, in chapter number two, um, if you read through that, it, it talks quite a bit about how all men sin and that if you're guilty of breaking any part of the law, you're guilty of breaking the whole law. I won't go there for sake of time. Um, but the point of that passage there is that we can not live under the law, but rather under the law of liberty. And the law of liberty is simply this. You have the freedom in Christ to obey the law. Before that, we our flesh could not obey the law. It can only be condemned by it. But when you have Jesus Christ as, as a part of your life, as your life, you have the life of Jesus Christ in you, internal life, because you've asked him to forgive you of your sin, and by faith trusted him as your personal Savior, you now have the ability to follow in the law of liberty. That's James chapter 2. James chapter 4, verse 6 says this, But he giveth more grace... Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Acknowledging your sin, which is what we had to do. We had to come to the place in our life where we acknowledge that what we did was wrong. And I hope that through the exposition of the scripture that we went through earlier, that, that you can come to that same conclusion. That what we did was wrong and that is a difficult thing to do. We had to bring ourselves to the point where we were humble enough that we could acknowledge that what we, were, we, we did was wrong. And when you can do that, the scripture says that God gives grace to the humble. This is what 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not, and if any man sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What that passage is saying is that God fully expects that you will sin because you're a sinner. Now, we may have a hard time processing that, but we all are sinners, and God actually expects that we sin. And because he expects that we're going to sin, because we're sinners... He says, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is working on your behalf. There is grace to help cover our sin. Because he's the propitiation for the sins of the whole world and for ours. So when we're humbling ourselves and we're bringing our sin to God and saying, God, I recognize this for what it is. He gives the grace necessary to forgive it. This is not you go out and do whatever you want and God's just going to cover it with his grace. That is not what the scripture teaches. What, a script, what the scripture teaches in James is that when you humble yourself, he will give grace to you. And then I'll follow it with this. At the end of the book of James, the next to last chapter in chapter number four, at the very last verse, it says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. This might be the most difficult part of what we have said. This might be the most difficult thing that you have to hear of what we've said so far. And that's this. Now you know better. Okay? And again, I challenge you, take the scripture, look at it for yourself, what the scripture says about when life begins... And then look up the facts about what the birth control pill does to your body. 
And if it doesn't do exactly what we've described, then scrap the whole thing. But I know what you're going to find. Now you know better. Now I have to ask you the question, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to link in the resource section of this podcast, the episode um, where the where I referenced earlier, where the nurse shared um, about the birth control and, and they go way deeper like they they even go into like fertility treatments and management. And, and I was as I listened to that episode, I was actually mind blown um, to think about things I had never thought about before just because culture has um made things so acceptable um no questions asked just 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 this is what everybody else is doing this is what we do um don't want to get pregnant take the pill um need to get pregnant but can't here's options and, and um so if i don't know if, if you want more resources if you want more of a medical mind um Maybe um, fertility treatments is, is something you, you're dealing with, um, something you know somebody that's dealing with. I, I'd encourage you to listen to that. I know this is hard stuff. I know this is hard stuff that we're sharing. Uh, I'm just going to be honest. That episode that I'm referring to takes it a whole nother level of hard stuff to hear, hard stuff to think through. But friend, we must pursue truth. We must be in alignment with the truth of God's word. And and so I'm not going to make an apology for this episode. I pray it was it is well received. We have basked this episode in prayer. I pray it's well received um, as you listen. And, you know, I have to believe that if the Holy Spirit has so burdened our hearts to be vulnerable and real and share our own struggle, our own regrets, our own journey in this area, I have to believe that that's because somebody needs to hear it. And, and like I said earlier, if it saves even one life, it was worth it all. Um, but but I do. I, I hope that this episode is well received. But I feel like it is a topic that is just not addressed in, in our churches. Ignored. It is. It is. I mean, I've been to ladies meetings. I've been to marriage conferences. And this has never ever been talked about. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking back to, I mean, I think kids, two kids, we, we weren't kids, we were in our 20s, but two young people who are trying to follow the Lord, who are trying to glorify them in, in their intimacy, in their fertility, who are looking for answers, who found an answer, but it was the wrong one. It was the wrong one. And it led to regret. And I hope that all we have is regret. I hope that we don't have a regret in a life or even lives that were ended. Um, but I don't know. Only God knows. But I do know we were faced with a choice. And I believe we made the right one. And yeah, and that's what we call this episode. Truth, lies, and the birth control pill. We've, we've shared the truth. You know, there there are lies out there that have just been so accepted because of culture, because of the norm, because of what everybody else is doing, because it's a it's a sensitive topic that is uncomfortable that people don't want to have to talk about. But but we need to, because what is at risk? Future generations, lives, lives that God has created. That is what is at risk if we do not talk about this if we do not get God's heart on this issue. Our pastor says often that the most dangerous thing is not a falsehood, but rather the thing that is the closest to the truth, but isn't true. A lie that is an obvious lie is easy to dismiss, but a a thing that is so close to being true, but isn't quite true is far, far, far more dangerous than than just out and out a lie. You know, you can detect a lie. You can probably pretty easily disprove a lie. But something that's so close to the truth that just isn't quite true is far more dangerous. We're trying to teach Eden now about how things that, that are hard are not necessarily bad. Hard things, you know, she gets frustrated because she's doing something and it's hard and she doesn't want to do it. But... Sometimes working through something that's hard can be so incredibly vital to your progress. And I'm speaking in this case about your progress as a Christian. This is a hard thing to have to work through. 
But hard doesn't necessarily mean bad. And if you want to continue to grow as a Christian, you have to continue to say yes to the Lord. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And that is not the easiest thing in the world to say because in, in saying that, I have to acknowledge that I myself have committed this sin. And when God presents us with light, we have two choices. We either accept that light and act on that light or we dismiss that light. And friend, don't be somebody who dismisses the light. Um, we've, we've shared our hearts. We've, we've been real. We've, um, we've, we've just poured out our heart on this issue. Um, again, I pray it's well received. I pray that the Holy Spirit has enabled us to have the right spirit as we try to share this. We only want to help. We only want to help. We don't want to condemn. We don't want to cause guilt or pain. We, we just want to help and point people to Christ. That, that's the whole mission statement of my podcast, of this ministry, is just to encourage moms, strengthen them, point you to Jesus Christ. And, you know, I, I have to be willing to follow him when the topic is easy and fun and lighthearted. And I have to be willing to follow him when the topic is difficult and, and hard and and I, I hope that we have glorified the Lord as we have just shared truth and just shared our hearts on this topic. Um, but I, I'm going to close this episode in prayer, and I hope you join us next week. Father, I thank you for your forgiveness, that your grace just reaches down into our wicked hearts, Lord, and just covers us with, with your righteousness, Lord, none of our own. I thank you for the promise that every day you give us new mercies, that every day we can have a fresh start as we lean on you, as we follow you. Lord, I pray you'll be with each one of the listeners. Lord, I know that you led me to share this. I know the journey that you have brought Simeon and I on, the truth that you have revealed to us, Lord, and I just pray that you will use that in the hearts of the listeners, Lord, I, as I said before, I have to believe that this episode was intended for someone. Lord, I pray that you will help each one of us to have the right spirit, to have a submissive, humble spirit as we seek you for truth, Lord, not culture, not the world, as we seek you. And I pray that you will just bring us to a point in, in every area of our life Lord, I pray that you will help us to, to value life, to be pro-life in every sense of the term. Lord, and I do just pray that, that this episode will save lives, that it will awaken many to maybe something that they had never thought of before. And that because of us just trying to follow your leading, Lord, that that lives will be able to be lived and fulfill their potential that they have for you, Lord. I, I pray that you receive all glory from this episode, Lord, and that you will just continue to work in our hearts, grow us to be more like you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.